welcome to episode 89 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I am another one of your hosts, Mr. Paul Robinson. Hello. Yeah. How are you today? Yeah, yeah. How are you today? Um, so today we're going to talk about some stuff. What are we talking about today? Talking well, about- <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> one thing we're going to talk about is the technology behind the making of The Mandalorian, which I found very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Tell us what else we're going to talk about. No, go ahead. You're on a roll, buddy. No, you tell us what else. <laughs> is it because you don't know? No, I know. Oh, you do know? Yeah. We're just going to review some films that we watched. Yeah. Some more indie film. Well, one more mm-hmm. indie ish filmed locally we may one. we may add all right so go ahead get <laughs> get your your boring crap over with okay well so i recently came across and i know i'm late to the Crossed. game on this, came across <laughs> uh and i know i'm late to the game on this but i was watching some behind the scenes for how they filmed the mandalorian and the technology that they used to make that show happen and i found it very fascinating because this is what they did. Let me explain to you what they did. Tell me what they did. So basically, they use this kind of rear projection technique where they have the camera, right? And then they have a screen behind the actor. Mm-hmm. And as the camera moves, the background moves in the same perspective. Mm-hmm. So they can build out all of this, um, the set extension, or, you know, and... If the camera pans to the right, the background moves to the left to to kind of keep that parallax going. Mm -hmm. And then you can use the back because the Mandalorian had a very shiny helmet. And if you had green screen, that's always such a pain to paint out. Mm -hmm. That's not why they did it. but um, So they would build the world out ahead of time in 3D. And then they would project it behind them. And they would, as the camera moved, so would the background move to keep perspective Correct. Okay. And that way you'd have your lighting would be consistent. Your reflections would be consistent with what the background is. Now, I don't know what kind of technology they used for the projection itself, like what kind of screen or what resolution projector or whatever. But it's very interesting. I'll leave a, I'll leave a link to, to the video in the show notes. But it's, it's fascinating how, because basically they could just be in a room mm-hmm. and they could just project whatever they want on the walls and then you're in that world. And what's better than green screen, because then you don't have to key anything. You don't have any green spill everywhere. You don't have the headache of a green screen. It's just all there. Sounds expensive. It is very expensive still. But, you know, eventually it will, you know, like everything, it'll become cheaper and cheaper and cheaper or whatever. But it's just... Will it though? Well, not, not, like, not ever on our level, but, mm-hmm. you know, it will become cheaper for other shows to use. You know, like obviously more sci-fi fantasy shows or whatever but um but that i, I think mean, the, that it, doesn't that take away a bit i mean because there for me there was i i liked the mandalorian um but there was nothing about their their sort of background i guess that looked super realistic well the, this is the first imp- implementation of it really on this kind of scale you know it's a new technology it'll only get better yeah. um but i i didn't i watched the video and i didn't realize that so much of it was done in this thing. I just assumed it was on practical locations. Some of the... Like the woods and things? Or? So some of the woods, some of the interior stuff was done in this, mm-hmm. using this. And I just thought it was a practical location. So fooled me, you know. Well, that ain't difficult. Yeah. Because I'm silly dumb. Goose. But uh, I don't know. I, 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 um, I'm very excited for it because here's the problem with it, though. As we all there know, we go. producers love to just make change their mind all the time. And with a technology like this, you have to make these decisions prior to shooting, 
what is this going right, to look like? It's, you can't change that now. I mean, you can, but it's just well, more of a headache. Yeah, because then you're literally rotoscoping and all that stuff. But I don't know. Um, I think it'd be nice to kind of force people to make decisions. One of the things that drives me nuts, as I'm sure drives every creative nuts, is when the producers come in or whoever comes in and just starts changing things last minute just to change them, just to, you know, justify their paycheck or whatever. Mm-hmm. That kind of, you know, if you make changes for the, the sake of branding or, you know, well, I think in whatever. Fairness, most producers don't know how to do that stuff on their own. So they don't really under, I mean, after years, they should understand the process. I think well, yeah. you should be forced to sit with your colleagues to understand what they do so that you could be like, oh, I see how this is totally annoying. Yeah. But they don't do that stuff. So to them, they're just like, just uh, can't you just swipe the thing and then make that yeah. happen? Change that back. Yeah. Um, it's something that we deal with a lot as, you know, um, either directors or motion design artists or whatever is the, um, to your point. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't know the extent of what they're asking for, mm-hmm. but I think that a lot of it is, you know, us having to say no, you know, instead of always being like, yeah, that's why you have perfect example, Sonic the Hedgehog, right? Yeah. Which you, you did try to force me to watch. Yeah. And, I, I want to see I put it. My, I, I put my foot down on it was, that. It's probably going to be a fun movie. <laughs> I I've said, heard. listen, I, I married into having to watch Every comic book and Marvel crap that comes out, I've yeah. accepted my fate. Uh, I've accepted that I have to watch the Knicks for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, although you've been doing that a lot at work or on your time, mm-hmm. so I don't, spare I, you, I, but... I don't have to partake as much. But I was like, I will accept those things. I will accept those will mind-numbing <laughs> realities. Mm-hmm. But I draw have the to line. draw the line at Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, like that Pokemon. Like if it's on oh, TV, I would never watch Pokemon. That's one thing if it's on in the background and you're like hey i'm gonna put this on it's like whatever i'm not doing anything but to actively put on pants <laughs> and drive to the theater and then pay to sit through sonic the hedgehog that just ain't happening no nope, not happening yeah i got a little bit of pushback on that one say. <laughs> <laughs> so my point is is that Sonic the Hedgehog is an example of that because they designed the uh sonic and everybody flipped out and then they went back and they had to redo them. And of course, like is a story all too familiar in this industry, the visual effects company right after they finished went bankrupt, shut down. After so, after doing the revisions? I don't know if it was after the revisions or shortly after or before. I don't know. Why did they shut down? Because they ran out of money. That's the thing in this, in this industry that I've been reading more about is how you, not the but big one. But aren't you paid by the studio? Right. Well, this is what happens in my this is my understanding and I could be wrong. And this doesn't apply to like ILM. They're huge or whatever. But like the smaller companies like remember that Life of Pi company, mm-hmm. Rhythm and Hughes, they went down. I don't remember the name of this company. But so what happens is the studio will come to a post house and be like, hey, we need 50 visual effect shots or 500 or whatever it is. And they'll say either, you know, this is our budget or the company will quote them a budget and then they start work and then inevitably a million things change Mm -hmm. but they're not changing the price for anything they'll just say all right we got 10 more shots you got to do them or whatever is that the the company's problem then at that point well that's that's what i don't understand charging more for change i mean they really you know they really need the visual effects industry really needs to unionize that's the only way to curtail that It's the only way to curtail that. Otherwise, they're going to keep being taken advantage of. And everybody wants to win that contract because they want money. They want to be able to pay their people. 
And that's, you know. Well, I think that's probably also, we we experience that in this business as well, where, be it actors, what have you, where you're going to have a post house that's going to, um, they're going to sort of uh, undercharge because they want to be known as the post house that worked on that film, which inevitably could destroy them. Yeah. But then it makes it that much more difficult for other people to say, hey, you know, we're charging more for a reason because we have to sort of plan for changes and revisions and things like that. And so then every company that that lowballs that kind of ruins it yeah. for everyone else. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... And, and inev- inevitably themselves ruins it for themselves yeah. as well, because now you can't, you know, you're known for, for giving low prices. Yeah. Especially nowadays when visual effects become have become a, such a heavy part of... <laughs> have become a, such a... Have a become a, such a heavy part <laughs> of all of the films. Um, <clears throat> you know, even like films that aren't Marvel and stuff have a ton of visual effects, whether they're changing backgrounds. I mean, you watch the behind the scenes for, I think it was Mindhunter season one and all the visual effects in that. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So it's so ubiquitous that... Word you know, of the day. Yeah. Ding, ding. That uh, I really think that... I really think something needs to change. Any hoosers, that <laughs> all is besides the point of this new technology that has come out that I found very right, fascinating. Right, but you were making a point about that that company specifically with the with the changes that were made and yeah. went under. <clears throat> yeah. Was that that was it? Yeah. I, okay. Well, that was kind <laughs> of that was, was a branching off that point. That was a branching off point for the technology, and I feel like. Um, but then, so. In case you don't know, the, the the controversy there was that they gave the fucking thing teeth. Yeah. And, and it freaked everybody out. They made it more human looking. And so then I want to know who made that decision. The studio. Right. Okay. So if the studio was like, we want to give it dentures and then it freaked everybody out and that had to be changed. Why aren't they fronting the cost for that? I don't know. I don't know the. I don't know if they if the if the studio were to, to sign a contract based on the film, and then once the contract is signed, they can't charge more or something. I don't know. I don't that know. It seems the, insane in this business where everything yeah. is, especially a film of that caliber that had that kind of money. We're not talking about like a fifty thousand right. dollar independent film. This is they put a lot of money into this, so you you can't tell me that you don't have money to compensate the changes that you made. He, that huge changes that needed to be made. Yeah. I mean, that, that film hadn't even come out yet, and it had already flopped because they gave a hedgehog teeth. Yeah. Ugh. And it scared everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and then it became this shining example of how your fan base could make or break you, and then it was the whole, like, hey, let's appreciate... You know, this was this was the funny thing, right? Whereas people, where people were saying, like, hey, I hope when this movie comes out that you support the crap out of it, right? Because the studio actually listened to us. And it's like, no, they didn't. The studio was... They heard the money draining out of their yeah. bank account, and that's why they changed it. They didn't give two shits about what you really wanted, and somebody well, on they, that team— they care gave, about what you want, not because, because of integrity, gonna, because of money. It's going to affect them yeah. financially. Yeah. It wasn't because, hey, the fans are upset, and we should really make this right. They were just like, oh, shit, oh, shit. And then who knows, in a in a, a, a sort of sinister twist, who knows what kind of pressure was then put on the post house mm-hmm. that then caused them to go bankrupt. Yeah. So where this becomes like this, uh, this feel good, heartwarming story about, you know, fans really having a say, you actually potentially ruined the lives of many, many people in that post house that lost well, no, their jobs I, they or whatever. Didn't. The, you know, the, the uh, studio did. 
Yeah, what? not the fans. No, no, I'm saying that the fans, the fans saying like, oh, hey, you know, we got to support the crap out of this because the studio really cared and this and that. Well, it, I mean, that's not what really happened. No. And now you're going to now you're going to line their pockets with money that they did not uh, offer to the, the people that actually made those changes. Yeah. And those people are screwed. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's something you're needs not to really change doing there. anything they, great by supporting the film at that point. Yeah. They need to either unionize or unionize or offer some kind of back end money. You know, if, if, if they don't have the money to front, which they do, obviously, obviously, uh, but if they were to say, Hey, you know, if this movie does well, then, you know, you guys will get points on the back end or something. I would like love that. to be a fly on the wall to just see what those conversations were like when I it know. came to the teeth, like whose idea that was. Because if it was the studio, then that's complete bullshit that the post house went under. Yeah. They shouldn't have. I would love to be a fly on the wall for the conversation between the post house and the studio of being like, hey, listen, so. Or the post house I know... and the post house when they were like, yeah. what the fuck? When they're like, hey, you know how we said we have 100 shots? We actually have 300 shots. So good luck. Yeah. You know, and they were like, "We can't lose this because this is a huge opportunity." But then, you know, if if the post houses all stood up and said, "No, f that," but then they'll just find someone else. They'll just find somebody else. As somebody and else that's... who will do it for cheaper because they want to jump on the the hedgehog bandwagon. Yeah, because they want to say that they worked on the film or whatever. <clears throat> but they're ultimate ultimately cutting off their nose to spite their face. Something needs to change. You know, I, I, and I, I am not smart enough to know what that is or how to how to solve it. You know, but uh, unionizing sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah. You know. Because it's like they're being taken advantage of. And, yeah, you can argue that it's their own fault because they agreed to it. But it's there was a short documentary about the visual effect. And it was like, I think we watched it. And it was just talking about this guy. And he was a visual effects artist. And basically they just go from, they follow the productions around. They'll go up to Canada and they'll go over to Georgia. Then they'll go wherever the work is and then do the work. And then it's done. And then usually the post house will close. Then they go to another post house because then they'll want to staff up for whatever film they're working on. So it's like... You know, just kind of rogue living on the road lifestyle hmm. of um, well, visual Well, bottom line artists. is I didn't want to watch that film. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and say it was like for moral reasons, although that, that doesn't help. No, yeah. <laughs> but I just didn't want to watch it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess that's that. And uh, I'm I'm not going to say that to for you to check in for when we review that movie because it's just not <laughs> happening on my end. You can maybe check in when Paul reviews it, but I'm not going to be part of that conversation because I just can't sit through it, not even for Jim Carrey. I'm sorry. Yeah. So <clears throat> we decided to, uh, you know, we've been reviewing a lot of larger budgeted films. That's true. And we enjoy those. Mm -hmm. We are indie filmmakers and we love indie film, but we love film, so there's plenty of stuff that we like to watch. But I just kind of wanted to start going Back, back to the grassroots, if you will. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, back to our, yeah, back to our roots. And 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 watch some lower budgeted films, mm -hmm. more independent stuff. And so there was one that I had seen a trailer for quite a while ago. I'd seen it on Instagram, and it was called uh, "The Hole in the Ground." Mm -hmm. I think it was filmed in Ireland. I want to say. Mm -hmm. I may have made that up completely, uh, but I'm pretty sure that it is. And uh, so it was a, a director writer, Lee Cronin. I think there was another writer as well. Uh, Stephen, Stephen Shields. Stephen. I want to say Stephen when there's a PH. Yeah. I don't know why, but I do. Mm -hmm. So um, it, uh, it, it's, it's independent. So we weren't familiar with any of the actors. Um, the lead actor, I want to say it's Shauna. It's like S- E A N A with like the over the yeah what the e, the e oh, okay 
And you know how Irish names are? Mm-hmm. They're really deceptive. Shauna. It sounds like it's going to be super confusing. And then it's like, oh, no, it's just uh, it's Jill. But yeah. it has 95 letters in it. And you're like, fuck. So <laughs> I'm going to say Shauna or Shanna. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's like a Searsha thing. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy that name, I have to say. Mm-hmm. I would never want it because I can't imagine. So she is hard enough. I can't imagine Saoirse. Yeah, there was a, a clip on YouTube of Saoirse uh, on every talk show. Having to. Having to tell people how to pronounce her name. Saoirse. So I I really liked the trailer for this. And I thought this looks really interesting. It's a, a, a horror type film. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I got what I thought I was going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. It's it's very. I had potential. Literal. Mm-hmm. It's a hole in the ground. It's a hole in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought that was some type of metaphor for something. Mm-hmm. It's not. And it did, you know, there were moments that were just really creepy and, and done really well. And I liked it. And then, I don't know, there was something about the pacing that just was weird for me. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this one. This was kind of weird. Yeah, I feel I'm in the same boat with you, you know. Just sailing away. I there's a parts. I, I love the concept. I thought the look was interesting. Um, you know, performances are good, all that stuff. But I did, and I liked the concept. But there was just moments to me that yeah were just kind of weird. I guess that I didn't really. It's not that I didn't get it, but I just I didn't get the motivation of the character a lot of the time. Yeah, like despite the uh, spoilers, despite thinking that your kid is in a hole in the ground, I'm going in there. Well, yeah, if you have a kid, you got to go get them. I ain't getting in that. I'm sorry. You find another way in or you find someone else to believe you and like get a fucking rope or something. You just don't like free climb into a hole. Yeah. If you don't know how you're going to get out of that hole. Like, so then you get your kid. What if you can't get out? I mean, did you think this through? Mm -hmm. So that kind of thing. And then there's like, so the... This might seem nitpicky, but there's like a scene where she's this very claustrophobic scene where she's quite literally crawling Mm -hmm. in through this hole that's underground. And it takes her a year and a day to get to her destination. And she manages to then back out of that hole where which is much harder to do. Mm -hmm. It's hard to drag yourself forward through a small space, let alone go backwards. And she somehow makes it out of there like hauls ass. I don't know how. But so that made it, 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 I don't mean to be nitpicky about it, but I just thought like, am I missing something that it took her so long to get there, but then not out? I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, and the stakes for getting out were much higher. So I don't know Yeah, how I, that would happen. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I liked the ending, this like sort of precaution that she took, mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of times in these films where I always, when something crazy happens like that, especially when it's your kid, right, that... All of a sudden, the characters just trust that it's over. And as the the audience, you're like, that's never over. Even if there's not a sequel, it's like, it's never over. And No good horror film ever actually ends. Yeah, I just, I think uh, if I had experienced something like that, I don't know that there's ever going back to normal life. And I guess that's the thing that kind of gets me about these movies where, where characters have these very extreme experiences and then just sort of move on like, oh, remember that time that our house tried to swallow us up and rape us? <laughs> Good times. And then they move on and it's like, no, no, no. There's so much therapy. Yeah. And I realize that's not as fun in a movie, but they never really show the character not bouncing back from those things. And yeah. I think that that's 90% of the time. That's which, unless you're completely psychotic, that you would just 
go on with your life as if you hadn't had some well, horrific experience. Uh, yeah, a lot of times they'll do it right in the middle of the movie, too. Like, you know, While it's the happening. first initial thing will happen and a kid will float and hit the ceiling and then they just, all right, well, let's just, you know, eat breakfast and, you know. <laughs> you know just be calm. Yeah, go, go back to school and all that yeah. stuff and uh, say you're worried about Jimmy, but, you know, it's like, I, 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 don't, I don't get that. Yeah, happens there's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Salmon. Yeah, there's there's no going back to day-to-day life when someone has levitated. Yeah. Inexplic- yeah. inexplicably. Yeah, cuz that would change my my world view, it would change my life, it would change everything I know about the universe, you know, just yeah. uh, that stuff. It just I don't know. Yeah, it, it I don't know. So they they didn't do that this time mm-hmm. around, which I appreciated. There was just this the 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 end scene was like I guess if I would still be living with this child, i.e. I wouldn't, because mm-hmm. there's no way I would trust that kid. Yeah. Um, but if I were to, it's like, okay, it's it's cool to see that she's like, there's this part of her that's like, just in case. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. They don't usually do that. Yeah. So I liked that. But... Uh, I don't, I don't. So the, the idea for the story also is just that this, cause it, it's given away in the trailer that her child is not really her child and sort mm-hmm. of been taken over by an entity or something. Mm-hmm. And so that's always creepy whenever you involve kids. Not, yeah, but it's, you know, it's starting to get a little overdone. It is getting overdone, but I also think that it's, it's being done in the same way. And that's, yeah, that's the true. problem is that it's never, you'll float too. <laughs> it's never. Uh, sort of there's not a unique take on it it's mm-hmm. just you kind of know what you're gonna get like i already know where this is gonna go all right mm. um so i don't know i'm glad i watched it because i wanted to watch it yeah, i really sure. liked the trailer but it just wasn't quite what i thought it was going to be there were aspects of it that i like liked and then things that i didn't really care for so yeah it happens it happens it happens also i just wanted to get into very quickly the trailer for Candyman dropped Oh boy, I have issues. Well, let's. What's your, what's your relationship like with the first Candyman? It's one of my favorite horror movies. Okay, I'm. I don't have a lot of horror movies on my favorites list. They they just never really did. It. I liked watching horror movies, but I didn't take them in the manner that other people did, where they just they sort of carry these films with them through life, and they're like, oh, so scary this character. I wasn't scared of. I mean, I, I was scared of Freddy because I was like five. Like any yeah. five year old is going to be freaked out by that. But when I was old enough to watch films on my own, to seek out a film and watch it, I wasn't scared of. Jason or 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 Freddy or mm. you know like Michael Myers it just they, they're slow and weird and oofy and it just <laughs> never I don't know yeah um I always liked shit that was more psychological yeah The Exorcist Jacob's Ladder mm-hmm. uh Candyman People mm-hmm. Under the Stairs like just yeah. shit that had like anything that had like sort of like a political socio socioeconomical type of like stance or mm-hmm. take on it for me exorcist was because i was not from a religious family and i was never baptized and i felt like that you know they have obviously insinuated that because she wasn't either that she was susceptible to being taken over by right. this demon and so as a kid i was always like oh shit yeah. you know? it's never too <laughs> maybe late. you guys should throw that water at me i think maybe just yeah. in case um and jacob's ladder mm-hmm. 
anything that messes with the mind, am I experiencing what I'm actually experiencing? Is this a hallucination? That shit always scares me because it's, you know, entering the mind of somebody who has a serious mental illness, someone who's schizophrenic, who actually think that they are hearing things that nobody else hears. And in your mind, that's completely yeah. real. So that to me is way scarier. Candyman was a really good example of that. It was, you know, I guess, yeah, I can't say that he was, wasn't sort of a fantastical character because he was supposed to be deadish mm -hmm. but he only you only see him kill i think one character on mm -hmm. camera i have to revisit that film such such a good film you only see him kill one character on camera and um shout out to brandon lillard for sending me a link to i guess Yo. it was, <laughs> it was uh, a documentary on youtube on cabrini green Mm -hmm. I don't remember the title to it, but it sh it shouldn't be that hard to look up. It's 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 a little bit lengthy, maybe like twenty minutes or so, and it, it goes into the history of. So they 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 sort of combine the story of Candyman with the story of Cabrini Green, which was an actual housing uh, complex in Chicago and um, or Illinois, or <clears throat> and uh, it's it was crazy interesting. I would really recommend that. And then the new trailer dropped, which originally had Jordan Peele was supposed to be directing it or everyone assumed that. I don't mm -hmm. know that he ever said that, but the assumption was that once you heard his name, it was like, oh, well, he's obviously directing it. He's not directing it. He produced it. There's actually a female director. And for the most part, with the exception of one or two of the actors, it's they're fairly unknown, mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting. And I, and I always appreciate Jordan Peele for that because he's not afraid to bring in somebody that maybe isn't as popular mm -hmm. or, you know, an A-list actor that's a really famous person. And I think that's great yeah. because, you you know, you're giving people the opportunity to shine and, and that's awesome. But then the trailer dropped and it was like, <sighs> it reminded me of like a really high budgeted TV movie. Yeah. It was like if like a cable show or like yeah. you know like like if lifetime for horror movies yeah. got a really big budget yeah and they came up with this i'm hoping that the trailer was just a flop for me and because i'm still gonna watch the film yeah i'm gonna watch it but i just didn't like it and then there's a point at the end of it where somebody was <laughs> like we need music and then somebody went destiny's child mm-hmm Let's do that. Little on the nose, let's I think. Get, yeah, like, let's get as literal to the point of almost being insulting to the audience. Let's get as literal as we possibly can with Destiny Child's Say My Name. And oh, because you, you say, say, you say the Candyman, yeah. And it's like, wow, thanks for thinking we're all stupid, <laughs> that we really need. Uh, it's just such a literal connection that it's corny. Yeah. As soon as I heard that, I was like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I was already kind of like, I'm I'm falling out of this, like that bathroom scene or whatever. I was like, oh, I'm not liking this. I'm not liking this. And then once once that song came on, I was like, <sighs> if Tony Todd doesn't show up, I'm going to riot. It's not. I, I, Brandon had actually made a comment about that. And he was like, I thought Tony Todd was going to be it. And I said to him, it doesn't just because they didn't show him doesn't mean that he isn't. They're going to wait for the it. final They're trailer. They're going to probably want to wait for and the final his, trailer. You'll hear his voice right. or something. They're going to do something like that. Um, and, and this isn't, this isn't uncommon also in, in films for um, certain actors to either request that their names not be put like on the IMDb page and all mm -hmm. that stuff and not be linked to it. Uh, and sometimes it's the studio's decision to just sort of hold off because mm -hmm. they don't want to give too much away. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine 
Jordan Peele making like producing yeah. Candyman, the, you know, without, a remake of Candyman without Tony Todd. Like, yeah. he, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you do that? I would be really surprised. Like, maybe someone else yeah. uh, who, you know, wasn't on the level that he's at. I can see them maybe trying to pull it off. Yeah. But, like, what? Was he was in the other, like, sequels to yeah, it. I think there was two sequels. He was, he was in, in both of those. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't see why he would not take the opportunity to be in this one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's not up to him. I wasn't happy but i mean it's it's not up well, to him whether he if he does if he's not doing it you know what i mean like the studio may just be like i don't want, we don't want him we want some fresh no blood in yeah, here no studio is gonna not put tony todd in it like yeah. come on um i i i don't know i'm not i don't like remakes this is why i don't like remakes yeah it's exactly why so i wasn't happy about it i was on board because jordan peele had something to do with it and i was like okay i kind of trust him i wasn't crazy about us but i really liked get out uh, I don't know how I feel about I this. Know. I'm going to watch it, but I'm going in with reservations. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like, uh, I don't know. It almost felt like a weird this is a this is, this is a wait for to watch it at home type of film for me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I'm running to the theater for this. It's it, no Sonic the Hedgehog, it, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it felt like a parody. Yeah. It, it was, I don't know. And I feel like we're the only people that feel that way because I've seen a lot of positive reactions yeah, about people it people are online. excited and i'm like did we not see the original <laughs> yeah you know you know what a, a big part of it is for me also is that the original was written by clive barker mm-hmm. and when people think of the king of horror always think of stephen king i like stephen king mm-hmm. i read not all of his books because who the hell's got time for that yeah but i've read probably uh, i'd say 50 percent of the books that he's written uh-huh. and he's written a lot and i Read a whole bunch of them, and then I kind of stopped in... Even the pseudonym books? Yeah, I read Bachman, a couple. Is it something? Eric Bachman, I believe. Yeah. Um, I've read a couple of, of those, and um, but kind of like the early 2000s, I stopped. And so anything after that, I haven't read. But mm-hmm. all of his classics I've read, and um, I like his stuff, but I never thought of him as being the king, no pun intended, of horror. For me, it was always Clive Barker. Like, Clive yeah. Barker... The man wrote Hellraiser. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, Clive. Um, and surprisingly, one of my favorite books of his is not like a hor- crazy horror. It was actually like, oh, leave it to him to write a book that was like a horror story for children, mm-hmm. sort of. Like if you had, that's how I, the best way I can explain it. I think I was like 13 when I read it. I was called The Thief of Always. And it had this really co- colorful cover on the book. It's just the most obscure, bizarre thing. Um, but the artwork inside was, he always has crazy artwork and, and really good. And I don't know, I think maybe that's, it just had a different thing. And for me, the the fact that Cabrini Green is not part of this mm-hmm. is kind of weird, especially after watching the documentary that I saw. Yeah. And, you know, just the, the, the kind of crazy political garbage that went behind housing for minorities yeah. and like the reasons why they did certain things. And it was like this, this class freaking, I don't know. Mm. It was just so crazy. And it's not that I didn't understand this before. Cause I had, I don't remember the name of a documentary that I'd seen on like the housing projects that were built in the Bronx. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it was just really fascinating how it started off as like better housing for minorities, more specifically for for African-Americans. And then it turned into this really sinister shit that had a lot to do with socioeconomic issues mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the 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 restrictions that they would put on you 
if you lived there, for instance, um, you were discouraged from getting married because it would then change your income. And now, because for those of you who don't know, in housing projects, your your rent is based mm-hmm. on your salary and what the percentage of what they feel you can afford. So now if you have two people that are married and living, you would be paying twice for that same space. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's kind of like this unspoken thing where, you know, you're you're encouraging women to not get married and to be single mothers. And it was just really crazy. Yeah. Um, but I just found I just found like the set, if you will, for the original Candyman to be so good. And then this time it just it was so polished yeah. that it didn't it was like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, which which just... which also sounds wildly racist, right? Where you're like, oh, so the only way you enjoy a movie that's based on black characters is if, <laughs> as if they're in the projects and living in the slums. No, not saying that. Just but Candyman specifically. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get the like the horror aspect of like I don't know. It just didn't. It just didn't seem to fit. Like when when you think of Candyman, you think of like blood and just these scary like hallways and you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like just because you're in the wall inside behind a bathroom mirror and there's this whole other like thing back there it just seemed like a totally different film to me that happened to have the name Candyman in it yeah yep i'm not a racist says a racist (laughs) but that this movie was called something else then it's there's nothing you know what i mean like yeah it could have my point is that it could have been it could have been called anything it could have been called there wasn't anything when you watched and you're like oh that's definitely candy except for the bees i guess yeah i guess i don't know i guess we'll have to see um so the next film that that we watched was one that had been on my list for a while and i'd kind of been speaking of sequels this one's called billy elliot 2 where billy (laughs) elliot moves to new york and shit goes down um so it's it was called it's called Skin and what's interesting about this is uh, what's is interesting about this it's written and directed another writer director you know I love me a writer director mm-hmm. uh, guy Native and he had made a short by the same name so if you look this up on IMDb you're mm-hmm. gonna get two and they're both by him and this is like the whole uh, this almost never happens thing uh, where you make the short first of all obviously had to have some kind of connections because it was like Oscar nominated and yeah. and all that. And, but um, so he made the short, it did really well. And then he was able to do the feature. Um, but apparently they ran out of money or the funding was getting low because the tattoos mm-hmm. that the, the lead Jamie Bell, Jamie Bell, who I will always call Billy Elliot. Um, he had to like wear the tattoos, mm-hmm. couldn't take them off because they couldn't afford to have them like painted on constantly. And so if you, if you don't know the, the story, it, it, it's a true story. Right. It's based on a true story. Inspired by a true story. Yeah. Inspired. It didn't go exactly like this, but um, the, the character that he plays um, it had uh, Byron, was like Byron Widener or something like that. Um, he was a, a white supremacist that started some his teenage crazy like Aryan Norse group, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck it is that they believe in, and um, then decides to leave the group. Mm-hmm. And which always goes over well. Yeah, <laughs> and the hysteria commences at that point um, because they, you know they're not like oh, okay, cool, see you later. Yeah, there's going to be problems here Uh, because they did like it wasn't just it it wasn't just like a bunch of hicks like screaming white power around a freaking Norse god or something like that. They were like committing crimes against minorities and other people and, and, you know, shit like that. So there was a lot on the line. They couldn't they weren't going to just let him go. And so he true story. Then he um, meets, uh, I guess, like a like a community leader, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. Um. 
uh, which is the the real guy's name, I, I believe, was Daryl Jenkins, who's played by Mike Coulter, who is just Luke Cage yeah. again. <laughs> like, and I didn't recognize, because I was like, why does this guy look so familiar? Because he had a beard, and Luke yeah. Cage never had, you know, and yeah. you were like, it's Luke Cage. And I was like, oh! <laughs> yeah. I was like, I find this man hot, and I don't know why. Mm. I feel like I know him. Oh, it's Luke Cage. Yes, that's why he's hot. And he's yeah. got a beard. Even better. Right. So, how do you make Luke Cage better? Beard. Yeah. So, uh, he plays the real-life character who is basically allies with him and tries to get him out of the group and encourages him to, I guess, work with the FBI to try to take this group down. Mm. And this was filmed up in Kingston, which is not far from us. Yep. A lot of times, as I've discussed before, you know, stuff gets filmed up here and the powers that be immediately start turning inside out. Like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And yeah. that almost makes me not want to watch it because I'm like, get out of here with that. Just because something's filmed up here doesn't mean it's going to be awesome. And yeah. a lot of times I'm going to be honest with you, I watch stuff like indie stuff and I'm like, that's oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say that it was amazing just because it was filmed in our quote unquote backyard. If I like it, I like it, but I'm not going to praise it just for coming up here. Yeah. And this was something that I thought another one of the productions that came up here this was really well done i have to say this is probably one of aside from a quiet place obvi which is like come on because you know you got a huge budget there you got emily blunt and you know you got the krasinski you got the krasinski you know that was going to be good but in terms of the the lower budgeted indie stuff that comes up here this is probably my favorite thing Mm -hmm. that was made up here it Mm -hmm. the it, the pacing to the story was really, really, really well done. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I, it looked great. The performances were great. I totally bought Billy Elliot as a white supremacist. Um, and, uh, you know, Vera Farmiga, we're huge fans of her. Mm-hmm. So she's always great. Small role, but she Danielle McDonald also plays his girlfriend. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. She was in the original short. Oh, is that right? And um, Byron's character was played by another actor mm-hmm. and then they got billy elliott when they got back cash yeah and other actors <laughs> like thanks yeah thanks can i get a small role or something <laughs> here seriously please jeez i, I never understand uh, i mean i get it i guess but i'd like to think that well it was jonathan tucker also who like i mean is a I mean, I know his face. I know Jonathan mm-hmm. Tucker's face. His, Maybe he wasn't available. Who knows? I mean, he didn't want to do it. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so he was in the original. Mm-hmm. She was as well, and then she came back for the yeah. for the remake of it. Or so the you know, if you want to make a feature, just make a short, win an Emmy, and then Oscar, you're good. And then you know you're good. Or to just go. a nomination. Just yeah, get nominated. Just get nominated. Get to go. Um, but yeah, this was really really well made. Um, like you said, the pacing was good. Performances are great. Visually, it looked really nice. Um, yeah, uh, the stories. You know, I mean, it's not a terribly unique story, but it's really well told. Well, I mean, it's somebody wanting to leave a group. You know, and then well, yeah, but it's not. I mean, it's based on a true story, so the, yeah, it is. It is a, in in a sense a unique story well, because but just the he themes. was he was. There's a documentary. Damn it! What was the name of the documentary? I just uh, erasing hate, erasing hate, something like that. Yeah, and so that was the documentary on the process because if you watch the trailer and when you see the 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 poster that we'll put up obviously on Instagram and stuff, you're going to see um, that they, there's tattoos all over his face. And for some reason, somebody was like, you should freaking tattoo an arrow over your eyebrow. And he was like, let's do it. And so part of, part of the movie incorporates the process of getting the tattoos removed, which is what happened to mm-hmm. the actual person. That documentary was more about that, about him. How do you start your life over when you have 
tattoos all over your face mm-hmm. and then those tattoos are representing something that's really like insane and crazy and yeah. hateful and so um the documentary kind of went through that yeah it's nice when you can turn your life around you know from a life of <laughs> Thanks, white, white white premise supremacist hate to you know i mean it was not quite that. quite extreme and um I thought they did a really good job of building tension. There's mm-hmm. a specific scene where I guess like yeah. he's trying to move on with his life and his past comes back. Mm-hmm. And like as soon as that scene, as soon as I saw them, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. I didn't know which way it was going to go. Usually like you can watch a scene like that and you're like, I already know where this is going to go. And this time I didn't know where it was going to go. I was like, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. I don't know why, you know, how it's going to happen, but I thought it was really interesting and I really liked the the very last shot. I thought it was a, a really like mm-hmm. just well written and well executed and the performances the actors just did such a good job at at at, you know, um just kind of exuding the emotion that you would have in that moment where it's like you can see that he's got joy and regret and anger and fear and everything just all wrapped into one moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the filmmaker is obviously talented. They got an Oscar nom for a short. Yeah. So I didn't see the short. I'm kind mm-hmm. of interested to see that now. Yeah. It's probably just a shorter version of that feature, I would think. Really? Yeah. That, wow. would, be my, that would be my guess. Wow. That's... That is just fascinating mm-hmm. the way your brain works. Um, so I, uh, I like a plus, I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed this film. We could not find anywhere online what their budget was. Yeah. I'd be but interested to know their, how much budget, a, a, a Emmy nominated short gets you their um, their gross earnings was like just over a hundred thousand. Yeah. So if it's way into the millions, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Cause they, did not come anywhere close to that. So I'm really, I'm really hoping that that information out there, it's somewhere out there, it's floating about, and it's like, oh yeah, they made the film for like two hundred thousand dollars, and I'd be like, that's not too bad then, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, you did pretty good. You almost. I mean, I can't like, see how back. it would be in the millions, honestly. Do you know how many things I've said that to? Yeah, I guess because it was, you know, it. It's not like that. It looked cheap. It didn't definitely no. didn't look cheap, but you could tell, like, you know, I mean, it, it was shot around here, which is probably, I would assume, cheaper than shooting anywhere else because that's where they chose to shoot. You know, mm-hmm. obviously. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, the actors certainly are probably one of the bigger budgetary constraints because locations weren't anything. You know, they didn't have like some, you know, multi-billion-dollar mansion or anything. Yeah, but. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like, wh- I don't know. I would be interested. I could to make know. this film for like a hundred grand. Okay, we could make five of these films for a hundred <laughs> grand, but because we have equipment and you know, yeah, stuff like that, and I would give myself the lead, so I didn't. We don't have to pay that actor. Give her the lead. We don't have to pay her. Give her a nineteen-hour day. She's gonna do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I was. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought. Here we go with another movie. I don't know why I didn't make the connection after seeing the documentary. I should have known. When I saw the arrow on the face that it was about. Like someone that, you know, I was familiar with. Yeah. Didn't kick in until a little bit into the film that I was like, oh, I know who this is supposed to be. And this was kind of, he he was a bit of a big deal in, in, in the whole process of mm-hmm. this. But, you know, I feel like, like, I feel like people use it as a gimmick, right? It's a way to get attention if you make a film about people that are like white supremacist or racist in any way, yeah. you know, that's just like, oh, people are going to be interested in this right away. And then, so then the story can fall flat because they, they rely too heavily on the topic to sort of sail them through and not yeah. really pay attention to the story. But 
yes, this was based on actual events, so it is sort of written for you, and I understand that, but there's still obviously an art and a method to how you pace scenes and and uh, and I just thought that it was written yeah. really well. well and yeah, directed and the well. filmmaker clearly has a uh, connection to this material because you know he made a short and a feature about it. So well, you know, I it was think an he's Israeli. For, it was important for him to tell this story. Yeah, I mean, I think he's Israeli. So obviously, you have like the whole you know neo-Nazi connection mm. to uh, to to uh, his culture, and so um, I think that was probably what drew him to to do the story, but. I, I, I just really liked it. I'm I'm interested to see. I haven't looked up other stuff that he's done, but I'd be interested to see what else he does. Yeah, I'd but. be interested in that as well. Good for you. Yeah. You're a good one. So um, what's happening? Nothing. How are you? <laughs> I mean, in the future, I oh. don't know. You know, we're going to try to, we're going to get some guests on, start talking about. You say this every time. You're like, you know, we're just going to get some guests on and talk about stuff. Like, yes, I know that. But we want to try to bring that timeline down a bit more for our our listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, I've I've reached out to a couple of people. Um, I did reach out to someone specific. And I'm not going to say, because maybe we can get them later, but they're they're really busy. And um, so I'm waiting to hear from some filmmakers and see how it goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh yeah, so just, you know, stay tuned and stuff. And stuff. Uh, a shout-outs to our huge Steady Geek and Reality Bomb... Reality Bomb... Blah, 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 blah. Reality Bomb Comicast, Perry Horovis, not up for a debate, the people that listen, the people that don't listen, whatever. We love you, too. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. You may listen one day, and so we're going to shout you out now yep. so that you can feel like you were part of our history because that's the kind of people that we are, and um, that's all I've got. That's all I have as well. So okay, great. So then I'll I'll meet you in the same oh, spot. Same bat time. Same Next bat week. channel. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.